The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable. With stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Shannon Penrod. We're coming to you live from different places around the world today. Many different places around the world today, actually. So we're really excited to be here with you on this Thursday morning. I gotta say, you know, we've been telling you all week long that we are having some issues, some technical issues. So I'm on a different computer. Um, uh, we the, the live feature, I can't get into the live feature right now on uh, our homepage, and I'll explain that in just a second. So if you're writing in on that page for the at least for the next 24 hours, I would encourage you to write someplace else because I can't get at it. So if something happens, is happening timely. Uh, my email is also not working. And I know some of you are starting to message me on Facebook and saying, you know, did you quit? Were you fired? No, my email is just not working. And when you email me i don't know whether it's because the email is down and so but uh you will now instead of because i couldn't put it in a, i'm out of the office and this email is not working because the email is not working but what you will get is it says that the email doesn't exist and so people are starting to worry that i've that i've died or been fired or have quit and have moved to bali none of which is true the rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated right um so but it is hard to get a hold of me right now but you there are ways that you can get a hold of me because for the moment and i'm knocking on all different kinds of wood here uh facebook and youtube are still working so i uh, want to remind you that this show is meant to be interactive and we do love to hear from you and i especially love to hear from you so if you would like to write in with your questions, your comments, your concerns, your fears, or just you want to yell at someone, this is a safe space in which you can say what's going on, right? Um, and there are lots of different ways that you could do it. Right now, we're live on YouTube and on Facebook, and we are also live on Twitter and Periscope. We are also live on our homepage, autism-live.com, and usually we have a chat at the bottom of that page, but I cannot access it right now. So uh, use that sparingly or when you, uh, if it's not a big hurry, because I will get into it again eventually. I just would have thought by now, but you know, IT's time and God's time and my time are three different things apparently. So we do what we can. And we're going to talk about that because you have to have a sense of humor, you guys. Um, I know that there are things that you plan to do today that you cannot do today, right? And then we have to say, okay, well, if I can't do that, what can I do, right? So we could do a show. We were able to do a show. And while we're able to do that, we're here, right? 
So anyway, um, uh, but, but you can write into us on any of those features. Remember that later on today, you will be able to access, and, and I mean, you can access now, it's just that it won't be today's show, uh, our show on YouTube. Um, it will be there later as well, but also on iTunes. It's a free download with picture and sound or just sound. We're also available on Spotify, on our iHeartRadio and Deezer. And I feel like I forgot one, but we're available in all those places and looking at new places. And by the way, we are also on BronxNet TV. So check us out there if you are in the, in the Bronx neighborhood. So uh, thrilled to be here with you guys. Such a privilege to be here. And I want you to know that I really appreciate you being here with me. It's always more fun when you're here. I'm saying hello to Paola. I hope I said that right. Uh, and I'm so grateful that you're here too. Uh, and I'm, I'm honestly, it's just such a privilege to be able to be here with you in this space. And we've got a great show planned for you. Normally we have Bonnie Yates on Mondays, but, uh, because of her schedule, cause she's traveling, uh, it was better for her to be with us today. So we're really excited. She's going to be with us in just a little while. You know, I always like to remind you that we do have experts like Bonnie on the show. Bonnie's a special education attorney. And such a great resource for all of us, right? Um, and I have other experts that are on the show on a regular basis, but I do try to remind you that I'm not one of them. My credentials to be here are that I'm a parent of an individual who was diagnosed with autism uh, 16 and a half years ago. I just, I, like, I can never do the math. No, so it's 15 and a half years ago. Um, and I've been hosting shows about autism for over a decade now. Um, but that doesn't make me an expert. It makes me maybe have an informed opinion, but not an expert. But really the reason why I'm here is because I need to pay it forward. That's the parent who helped me to get on the path to know what to do that ultimately helped my child, which was good quality ABA and happened to be at card, uh, by the way, um, you, you know, that made such a difference. And I went back to her and I said, how am I ever going to repay you? Because I don't think I would have found this on my own. And she said, Shannon, you'll pay it forward. And this is my answer to that. I'm paying it forward, trying to give you information and inspiration so that you can find what's right for you. By the way, that's not a one size fits all, but um, there are a lot of things that a lot of us have in com common, but not everything, right? We, when I say us, I'm, uh, this whole show is meant for that larger autism community that starts the beating core of that are individuals who are on the autism spectrum. Our whole goal is to help them, right? But in our show, because in order to help those folks, we feel like we've got to help and support not only them, but everybody who loves them, right? So that's the parent and the teachers and the practitioners and the aunts and the uncles and the spouses and the siblings and everybody else. Anybody who cares about somebody on the autism spectrum, we're not all going to agree on things, but we are going to agree that they have rights, that they deserve dignity, jobs, housing, support, um, and cheerleaders to tell them that they're awesome and that they're doing you know, great things and that the way they perceive the world is not wrong. Uh, right. But uh, just like, you know, there are some things, uh, you know, I perceive the world in the way that I do, but sometimes I need help and support with something to be able to do the thing that I want to do. So that's what we're about here is preserving the dignity, providing the inspiration and the information and hopefully resources so that together we can all make all that other stuff happen. The jobs and the relationships and the, you know, access to everything. So uh, thrilled to be here with you guys. Thrilled, thrilled, thrilled. Okay, on Thursdays, we like to start the show with something we fondly refer to as the jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to give you first the actual definition, and then we promptly make fun of it. Um, because that's how we roll. And then we give you a working definition, which hopefully gives you an entree into what it is exactly we were talking about, right? Um, sometimes that definition makes the experts go, right? but that's just part of the fun. Uh, but we got to start somewhere, right? 
we need to make friends with these terms because my uh, viewpoint is if it can save us five minutes and five dollars, it might be worthwhile, right? And over time, these jargon terms are very worthwhile. So we've been talking about play all this week, and we started out talking about functional pretend play, and then we moved on to symbolic play, and now we have arrived at imaginative play, which is, I know, where a lot of you wanted to start, right? You're A lot of times you guys write in and go, you know, my child, like, I want my child to have an active imagination and they, they seem to be very rigid and they don't have an active imagination. So part of how we work up to imaginative play is with that functional pretend play and then the symbolic play, and then we get to the imaginative play. So imagine that, um, you know, in the beginning, let's say that we, uh, I'm trying to think, well, let's say a car, we, we want, uh, for a child eventually to be able to drive. Right. So we're going to start with having them have little toy cars that they drive around. Right. And it's a little plastic or, um, metal toy car. And we drive it around and we make the sounds with it and we have cars crash into each other and we go, Oh, you know um and so that's functional pretend play right and we might even have them in the, one of those little toy cars where they actually drive that's really functional pretend play right so when we get to symbolic play um we're going to take something that is not a car and we're going to endow it with the properties of the car i didn't even give the definition yet <laughs> so far ahead of myself this week Traven, let's look at our actual definition and then we'll go back to the, my example of the car. So the actual definition of imaginative play is using imagination to create objects, locations, scenarios, and situations where they do not already exist for the purpose of play. There's not a lot to be made of fun of there. That makes sense, right? If we're gonna pare it down even further and go to our working definition, what do we have, Draven? I believe it just says making it up. The working, you'll get to it, the working definition uh da, 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 da. yeah making it up um so we as i said we start with the car and we have the tin car or the the plastic car and then we move on to symbolic play and maybe all we have is a phone and we're in a restaurant and our child likes to play cars and we don't have any cars with us we forgot to pack the little bag of cars right so we take the phone and we go with the phone we go and we make the noises with the phone, but it's it's a phone. That's symbolic play. I'm giving it the properties of a car. Now, when we get to imaginative play, sky's the limit. I can make nothing. I can I can mine the car and I go right, or I can pretend that this is the steering wheel, and I can say I, I can open the door and go, come on, get in. Where are we driving to? And I can pretend that I'm driving a car. That's imaginative play. And let me tell you, the first time that you do this with any kiddo, right? The first time that they're introduced to this, they're like, what's happening? It's like Disneyland for them because you open, it's like cracking open the world for them and going, what would you like? We can play absolutely anything. And the earlier you can introduce this kind of play with kiddos and, and in the beginning, they may not like it. Because they're like, you can't do that. You're breaking the rules. Um, and they, like little, little kids who don't understand, sometimes they'll push you and be like, mm, you know, I don't want to do that. But if you're having a good time and you're driving the car, uh, it's super duper fun. And you're teaching that child to be flexible. You're activating a part of their brain that they're going to need, right? Uh, it's super duper fun. I encourage you. Um, to play this way with your kiddos when uh, for many years I was an aunt and not a mom and I think we all thought that's all I was ever going to be but I was a great aunt <laughs> and my sister had three kids pretty all close together she had her son and then she had twin girls what 11 months later right so she had three little babies like in diapers all at the same time so it was they were kind of like triplets and you I, I so enjoyed spending time with them and doing things. And I can remember going to visit them. And, and again, I started this at the beginning of the week saying it's those little in-between times that you either dread or love, right? And a lot of times people dread them because they don't know what to do with them. And these are the ideal three things to play with when you don't know what to do with time. So I can remember that we were sitting in a booth 
uh, at a restaurant and my, my sister had like some emergency. She had to go take care of, she said, I'll be back before they bring the food. But then the food got delayed. Right. I think it was a long John Silver's. We were sitting there and I'm there with three kids that were under the age of three. Right. And it's like, what do you do? Like just to keep them in the booth. And, uh, you know, so I said, let's play cards. And they were like, what? You know, like two and a half, two and two and a half. And they're like, play cards. We, you know, and, but they had seen people play cards before. So there were all these napkins on the table. So we started shredding up the napkins and, and they didn't have anything on them. And we were pretending to hold them in our hands like cards and we were playing fake cards. It didn't matter because they didn't know numbers and they didn't know what a queen was or a king was. So we just were playing cards and, and we would play, put the card down and I'd go, yay, you won. And everybody would be like, oh, this is great, right? So we played pretend cards. And then later on, we went out to the parking lot and uh, we were waiting for my sister to pull up the car. And I said, we don't have to wait for her. Let's get into my car. And they were all like, you know, where's your car? And, and uh, you know, I opened the door and we got into the pretend car and we drove around the parking lot. We ran like, you know, it was like a Flintstones car. We ran around the parking lot in my car and we continued to do that for years. They thought it was hilarious. Now that was harder to do with my son because he was on the autism spectrum. I had to work much harder uh, because A, I was his mom. So I was not supposed to be silly. Those were the rules for him. And I had to, I still challenge that for him all the time and go, nope, mom can be silly. And he doesn't necessarily like it, right? Dad can be silly, but mom can't. Um, but I would have to work harder and harder and harder, but we got to it. And the day that I knew that we got to it, we were in, um, I think a Costco and they have those flatbed carts and they were out of all the regular carts. So we had to get a flatbed cart and I needed for him to sit on it and, and I, so, and I was preoccupied or whatever, but I turned around and I looked and my son w like totally was miming. He was probably four and that, that he had a fishing pole and that this was a boat and that he was catching fish. And every time I would put something on the cart, he would say, caught another fish, imaginative play. So exciting. We can't expect it to just come out of nowhere. We have to prompt it. We have to be silly. We have to make it fun. We have to let them have their feelings about it in the beginning. But this is a worthwhile thing to do with any kiddo. If you have a teenager and you're like, oh, Shannon, I missed it. No, 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 no. There are lots of ways for teenagers to do imaginative play. I, one of the things that we recommended on the toy guide is to play Dungeons and Dragons with them. Have them watch Stranger Things and watch the other kids playing Dungeons and Dragons but with a teenager, that's a great way to introduce imaginative play. All right, uh, making it up, it's really super fun. Okay, so we always have a question for you. And today, our question for you, I simply don't remember. Oh, when you fantasize about taking a break, what and where do you picture? So this is just the part where you fantasize, not where you're planning, you know, because yeah, I'd love to go on a trip to Scotland. That's the thing that's on our brains um, that we're thinking about, you know, maybe next year when when our son graduates from high school and things hopefully, hopefully are safe and better. Um, so I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like when you're fantasizing about taking a break. So <laughs> they made fun of me in graduate school because for me, like taking a break and really slowing down um, is the only time I would bake cookies. Like I might bake brownies or something like that, but cookies take a little bit more time because you got to make the dough, you got to refrigerate it, you got to roll it, you got to press it. You know, it takes time to make cookies and that's a leisure activity for me. And I enjoy baking if I've got time. I don't like it if I'm rushed. So I, meditatively, uh, there are times when I would get into a mental space and I would picture baking cookies. Um, and, and because it's my fantasy, I don't have to mix the dough and refrigerate it and then roll it out. No, I'm just putting the cookies on the sheet and putting them in and taking them out and they're, 
they're not burnt. And this was something that I did meditatively. And at one point, uh, I was someplace with a group of people in my graduate school class, and somebody said, you know, you just went away for a few minutes and you look so happy. Where did you go away to? And I said, oh, I was baking mental cookies. <laughs> What on earth is that? But it was what I did to de-stress myself. So this is the kind of thing I'm talking about. When you're fantasizing about take, like, are you on a beach in Aruba and you've never been to Aruba? Or do you go to a place that you have been to before? I have a mythical place that does not exist that's next to a, a bubbling brook and that has weeping willow trees. Never been there, right? But it's what... And, it's what I picture in my mind. And by the way, when I fantasize about it, there are no flying insects. There are no bugs. I can lay in the grass and not be bitten by anything, right? And it's not soggy, right? So where is the fantasized place that you go to when you need to take a break? The other one I love to do, it's not a place, um, but I love to envision winning billions of dollars in the lottery and what I would do with the money. Oh my gosh, that's two days of entertainment for me. That's better than going to Disneyland to be able to fantasize about what I would do with a billion dollars and how I would give it away and what I would build with it. Oh, don't get me started. That's so exciting to me. And I plan on winning the lottery at some point. I've known since I was a child that someday I'm going to win the lottery. Uh, I don't know when it's going to be, but someday. So what do you fantasize about when, and, and do you give yourself permission to have this mythical place or this mythical time or this mythical event that you can fantasize to take a mental break? Um, because I, you know, I love when people talk about, you know, well, I want a million dollars. Well, do you really want a million dollars or you just want to feel the feelings of what it feels like to have a million dollars, right? Cause there's a difference. Um, because actually having a million dollars, which is not a bad thing, but it comes with some things that are not fun, right? As do most great things in the world. Um, so, you know, do you, you may really want the million dollars or would you settle today for just feeling the feeling of having a million dollars because that's available to you all the time. And you may not right now be able to take a vacation and go to Scotland, right? Um, that may not be possible for you financially. It may not be possible for you because of COVID. But the truth of the matter is, is that you can spend five minutes a day and picture yourself, you know, walking through a Scottish castle, if that's what makes you happy, right? In fact, you can even probably get a 3D thing to put the glasses on and actually look like you're there, right? But you can also imagine it. And I got to tell you, this is a great thing to model for your kids, taking a minute and fantasizing about something that gives you a break. Because our next thing that we're going to be talking about, which is our topic of the week, um, and all this week, I just realized I didn't put my earrings on. Uh, all this week, we've been talking about how leisure activities can reduce your stress. And sometimes you don't even have time to do a leisure activity. I know a lot of the leisure activities that I like to do are an investment in time. Um, you know, it might be a craft and it's like, first I got to purchase the stuff for the craft and then I got to set it up and then I got to do it and then I got to clean it up. Right. And I don't always have the time for that. It's great to occasionally take the time for it, but if you can build into your day, a mental break and some people like to take a break and just have nothing white noise and that's fine too but if that's hard for you being able to picture something that is um, a break is also available to you we have to model these behaviors uh, for our kids we have to or all they see is us going 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 and look wasn't that what a lot of us were doing before covid we were going like on you know all pistons full out. Everybody I knew was like, man, I just don't know how much longer I can sustain this. Um, and then, you know, COVID came along and said, it's time to slow down. Now, for some of us, it meant we had to speed up because we had to figure out how to deliver what we were doing, you know. Um, but at this point, except for people who are figuring out how, how to go back to school, 
that's a whole other Oprah, right? Um, you got to find some time to slow down. Even us here at Autism Live, we're finding some time to slow down. Um, that in fact, I'm, I'm announcing to you right now that next week we're playing our best of the best of the best all week long because we're taking the week off of live shows. We're still having shows because uh, we figured out how to do that and to show you some great shows that are worth watching again, but we are taking the week off next week. Um, and how are you scheduling some downtime for yourself? That's what we want to know today. Uh, okay, so uh, our guest today is the fabulous Bonnie Yates, and she's amazing. Hey, I'm saying hello to Leona, um, and I'm saying hi to Amanda. Hi, you guys. Uh, feel free to write in right now on our Facebook or on our, or on our YouTube. Traven shares that with me, and then I have an opportunity to see what you guys are saying. Um, but Bonnie Yates is with us today, and I think she's probably already with us. In fact, I've gone a little bit later than I had planned to. Um, and Bonnie is a special education attorney. She's with the Tolner Law Offices. I want to remind uh, you folks. Hi, Martine. Hi, Matthew. Hi, uh, Outi. I'm so sorry if I slaughter you guys' names. On Onyini, um, who's watching from Jamaica, I believe. Um, and Martine, who's watching from Cameroon, Central Africa. Ooh, we are live, Matthew. We are live right now. So thrilled to be here with you guys. Um, so Bonnie's going to be with us, and she's going to be talking about special education. Um, but if you guys have other questions, too, uh, T says, when I dream of taking a break, it is in a very small, very organized, minimalist and clean camper. I want to buy and park on the side of my house where I would read, do art and write poetry. Oh, T, I love that. Doesn't that sound wonderful to have like a totally minimalist clean space next door where you just go to this space that I'm in right now, this this room in our house, which is this very small room that can't do much else. It was supposed to be the room where we could come and be creative because it's got the musical instruments in it. And um, and now it's turned into a studio. So we're being creative in a sense in here. Uh, Satya Brata, what a beautiful, I'm so sorry you guys if I'm saying names wrong, uh, but hello to you coming to us from India. We, we're global today, I absolutely love it. Uh, I don't know if we have Bonnie yet, but I would assume that if we had her that she would come on. So anybody have any questions about anything while we're waiting for Bonnie or anything that you wanna share? But again, we are live, 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 live. Um, and so I'm, I'm so thrilled. All these, oh, are you saying, I, now I don't know whether the places that you're saying that you're, are those where you envision going or those are where you're from. I think you're telling us that those are where you're from. But I can imagine like a great place in my mind to go to is Jamaica or uh, Cameroon, Central Africa. We have not taken a trip to Africa and our family. We've been threatening to for, for many, many years. And um, we've shared on the show, we've had a lot of different people from Africa because um, CARD has an affiliate in um, uh, South Africa that is they're in several different locations and we've grown to love the family that started those and they keep saying to us you should come to Africa and go on safari and I remember the first time uh, that they said that I was like oh I don't know if I'm a safari person um, but I, I want to be a safari person and I think it would be super fun for my son. Isn't it funny all the things that were sort of like oh I don't know maybe I'll get a to it and then COVID happened and I don't know about all of you but it has made me want to be much more adventuresome when when it is over when this is over I want to go um, different places and we have been invited for a long time my son and I to go to different places we had been asked um, just this year we had been asked to be in Thailand in March and, and I had said no 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 not doing that uh, we had been asked to be in Saudi Arabia in February and I said no 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 and this is before COVID right um, but now I'm sort of I'm like you know when this is over I think that I would like to um, travel more and see the world i i I, you know, I love, I'm a homebody. I love to meet new people and I love to go new places and I love to see new things, but I'm also very much a homebody. 
Okay, well, I don't know what's up with Bonnie. Uh, we don't appear to have her yet. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna morph and go into a couple things. But I also want to remind everybody that on tomorrow's show, we're talking about virtual camps. Um, because a lot of the things and a lot of the resources that we have offered you guys over the years and said, you know, here, like for instance, the Ed Asner Center amazing place here in Los Angeles. They do incredible programs. And sometimes you guys would be like, hey, you know, I'm in Central Africa. I don't have access to that. And that was always a, a you know, a bummer for me to share things that everybody couldn't have access to. I got to tell you this summer of COVID, it really has been a game changer because most of those programs have gone online. And so there is an opportunity for you to participate, especially at the Ed Asner Family Center, which is free. So you could log on um, from Central Africa and they have a class every single day that they do that is for free. So we're gonna be talking about all those resources tomorrow. Uh, we're gonna have um, Leah Hirschfeld on the show to talk about some research. And then we are also gonna have Cindy Kenya from the Will Gear Theatricum Botanicum talk about their online summer program this summer, which will be a really fabulous thing to do. Um, but I wanna, since our topic this week is leisure activities for lowering stress, I wanna take just a second to talk about what you guys are doing to reduce the stress. Cause I don't know, you know, show of hands, who here is feeling stressed? Pick me, <laughs> right? Uh, this has been a little bit stressful. Um, I don't know about the rest of you, but I feel this responsibility as, and my husband says he's feeling this too, that as the adults in the room, as the parental people, I feel like um, it's on me um, and essentially on us to make sure that everything runs smoothly, that our child is healthy, that our child is safe, that our child has, you know, good nutritious food to eat, that our child has access to things to have his mind grow educationally. It feels, um, you know, and, and that's all the time, right? But then with COVID, it really, it sort of feels like it's this test of, okay, well, can, can you know, you, could, you managed it before, but can you do it now? And it was already hard before. And depending on where you guys are in your autism intervention, it can be harder, right? Like I'm sort of in a catbird seat because my son is old enough and he is at a place where he can help. Um, you know, there's no reason why he can't pitch in and help. But for some of you, you haven't gotten to that space yet. So it becomes more and more important to make sure that in this great isolation that we're going through, that you guys find a way, everybody finds a way to take a break. I know that if you're watching this show that you're of an, a certain age, you might be on the spectrum or you might be the parent of somebody on the spectrum or whatever your affiliation is, but you're at a certain age because I think uh, as much as I want to do a kid's show, we have not launched our kid's show uh, yet here. It's, you know, in, in the brain, you know, we have a script, but, um, and somebody said, yeah, it's stressful. It's really, really stressful. And if we don't actively do something about that, it's like, you know, Monday, the stress is here. And then Tuesday, it's just like, we layer it on, like we're making a bed and we're putting quilt after quilt after quilt until you're, uh, overwhelmed. Right. And nobody enjoys the feeling of being overwhelmed. So it's like taking out an insurance policy. You have to build things things into the schedule before you get to the stress level. So Monday you're stressed, but you have your built-in de-stressor, right? So the stress never gets any higher. In fact, it may go lower. Then something happens on Tuesday that boop, 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 right? But then we have the built-in de-stressor and bring it down. So what, um, what are you guys doing to de-stress? We, we talk a lot on the show about mindfulness, and how to be mindful, how to, because um, it's not a one size fits all. Um, it's different for different people. I'm looking to see if Bonnie has texted me. I am not. Um, okay. Uh, well, I don't know what's, I don't know where Bonnie is. She might've gotten held up um, or she might be having trouble getting on because it's that kind of a week. <laughs> 
with the technology. Um, so we talk a little bit about mindfulness and uh, it's different for different people, different strategies for different people because some people are really good at the meditating thing and some people are really good at the visualizing things, um, but not necessarily both things. And some people are like, I can't do either. I cannot do either. And I just want you to know that mindfulness is does not leave you out if you're if you're like, I can't picture, like you're talking about picturing being on a beach. I can't get my brain to do that. Don't judge yourself. That you don't have to be able to do that to do mindfulness. With mindfulness, we're just gonna start with the breath and nothing else. And you know, I I'm a big fan of the three deep breaths. Um that Anything is better after we take three deep breaths. So what I want you to do right now is take your feet and put them flat on the floor. Um, if you are laying on a bed, I want your, the bottoms of your feet to have uh, to feel something. So you can bend your knees and put them flat. If you're sitting in a chair, just make sure that they are flat on the floor and feel what is beneath your feet. It may be that you're feeling the bottom of your shoe or it might be that you're feeling the ground, or it could be carpeting, but I want you to take just a moment and notice what your feet can feel. And then I want to take you to take your hands and put them somewhere. You can put them on your thighs, if that's comfortable. You could put them on the arms of your chair. You could put them up on a table, right? But I want the, 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 the palms of your hands to be feeling something. And, you know, find a position that's comfortable, right? But have your hands resting on something. They don't necessarily have to be flat, but your the palms of your hands have to have contact with the surface and your feet have to have contact with the surface. Okay. And then, uh, you know, if you're seated in a chair, I want you to notice, you know, that your bottom has contact with something, right? And notice what it is. If you're laying on a bed, your bottom is still touching something, right? So we have these three different points of contact and, and noticing that is uh, it, it's what we call grounding. So let's say that you're on a plane and you are feeling the stress because you're getting ready to take off. And it's like, oh no, I don't know if I can do this. And you feel like uh, I'm in this enclosed space and we're gonna be hurtling through space. I don't, right? Already the breath has stopped. So the first thing that you do is you ground yourself. You notice where your feet are, you notice where your hands are and you notice where your butt is. Three points of contact, like a three point stool. Boom, you're grounded, okay? And as soon as you do that, then we shift to the breath. And we're gonna start with just taking three slow inhales and three slow exhales. And I hate it when somebody does it and I feel like my timing is off from them. So do them in whatever time that you do. But right now, three with those three points of contact, slow inhale and slow exhale three times. And you can do it through your nose, through your mouth, whatever, you know, whatever works for you, but three inhales, three exhales. You might be done, but I've got one more. And now I want you to notice after these three inhales and three exhales, how do you feel right now? Now, you know, hopefully you feel even a smidge better because a smidge better is better than being a smidge worse or a lot worse, right? But it it now is a place that you can springboard from and go, okay, what do I want to do? Do I want to do three more breaths? And you can sit here for three minutes and just do three more breaths, or you know, you can you can move on to noticing things because that's another thing that we do in mindfulness. Mindfulness is just like being here and not in the past and not in the future right, is being here in this moment in time. So, you know, simple exercises that you can do for mindfulness that don't involve meditation or visualizing something is to, um, you can start with your senses and you can say, what can I feel, right? Where we're already feeling the, you know, what's ever under your butt, your feet and your hands, right? But what else do you feel? You know, can you feel air moving on your face, right? You can move to what can I see? You know, take look, take a look with your senses. Look all around and see what can I see and take some time with that. But you want to do that after you've done those three breaths, right? You can take uh, a second and say, what can I hear? 
and get really still and hear what you can hear. What can I smell, right? What can I taste? All of those things, right? Um, and then if you are a very visual person, sometimes um, looking at something like people will look at, they'll have a picture of a flower on their phone. Flowers are so intricate. We tend to like walk by flowers and we go, that's beautiful, right? But if you really look at a flower and you can, you can spend 10 minutes looking at a picture of a flower and blow it up and be like, wow, look at how amazing that is. I've got a, an iPod stand here that I could, I could spend 10 minutes and look at this and go, that is amazing. Look at how the springs bend and all the, so you, and, and you know what that does? It gives you an opportunity to be present, focus on something and take you out of the worry. That's all mindfulness needs to be. Um, and if you take a couple of minutes every day to do that, it recharges the batteries and you come back to things. Whenever I'm doing a task that it like gets to a point where it's like, oh, uh, I, I, I'm somebody who learned how to sew when I was like 12 years old. And the person who taught me how to sew said, you know, we sew until we get to a problem and then we take a break. We take a break. We, we go do something else. We sit outside for a second. We drink, you know, a drink that's really good. And then we come back and the problem is nowhere near as bad as we thought it was when we took the break, right? And it's sort of a metaphor for life. So that's part of what mindfulness is. Uh, hi, Kira. Hi, ma'am. My son is three years uh, diagnosed with ASD. He can speak a few words. He can set rainbow colors, write and say, uh, write and say standing line recently started, knows numbers one through 30, alphabet and line up properly. Please tell me his autism is at what, ca what category and how to make him more active. Well, um, Kira, I'm so glad that you're here. Want to remind you that I'm not an expert in autism, right? But I'm an autism mom. And I had a three-year-old that was diagnosed with autism. Um, and my three-year-old could not do all the things that your three-year-old could do. Let's start there. So my three-year-old, when he was three, I guess he could say a couple of words, but he didn't know what they meant and he didn't say them purposefully. So he would say dog, 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 but he wasn't looking at a dog. He wasn't asking for a dog. He would just, it was just a stim that he would do over and over and over again. And he didn't know his colors um, and he couldn't line up his letters. Um, right. So, you know, um, my, my three-year-old didn't have as much as your three-year-old uh, has. Now, I will tell you that my three-year-old, we got him at three enrolled in a quality ABA program. Now, we did it with CARD. I love CARD. If you watch the show, you know that they're, they're our main sponsor. Um, and that's not because I don't love CARD because they're our main sponsor. They sponsor us because they know that I say good things about them because it's coming from my heart. They gave me back my child. Um, so my, see, I'm going to get emotional. My three-year-old who couldn't say, I love you, mom. And other people were telling me that I was never going to get to that point. My three-year-old is now 17 years old and he's getting ready to apply to Harvard. And that's what a good quality ABA program can do. Now, it isn't the same for all kids, right? Because all kids start at a different place. They have access to different things and they all will end up in a different place because they're all individual people. But I want to pack your bags and your pockets full of hope that my child who didn't have as many skills as your child has, he got to that, that far. Um, so there's every reason to believe that if your child has those skills, that let's give him a fighting chance to do everything that my son can do, right? So that means getting an early intensive behavioral intervention with a quality ABA program. I don't know where in the world that you live, um, but there are quality ABA programs all across the world. It's just that sometimes they're not close enough to you. Um, to get the services. And in COVID, it's a little bit harder. But uh, I encourage people who are watching to look and see if there is a card office near you because they are still doing therapy during COVID. And they're doing it in lots of different ways to meet families wherever families are comfortable. They're doing some telehealth, some in-home, and some in-center. So you can pick what you're comfortable with. Um, but so all you would need to go to is centerforautism.com. Look under the locations tab 
and see if there is an office close to you. If there isn't one that's close to you, then the next thing I would tell you to do is to put in the name of the closest town or city to you and put in um, uh, ABA uh, autism because ABA isn't just for autism and you want ABA for autism, right? And I would put that in and see um, if there's providers that are close to you. I would also um, look and see if there's a parent support group close to you to ask for recommendations of who does good quality ABA because all ABA is not the same. So I want you to be with a good quality ABA provider. Um, and then once you're with a good quality ABA provider, there's there's three things that that we have now seen determine um, the best possible outcomes. And everybody wants the best possible outcome. It's that best possible outcome is going to look different for every child, right? But don't you want the best that your child can do and be? Don't you want that for them? So the three things that determine that are very simple. Um, the first one is giving them an opportunity to learn. And we know that for a three-year-old that the prescription usually, if we're looking at just the science, not what people want to pay for, because those are two entirely different things. The science is clear that for a three-year-old, we should be doing 40 hours between 25 and 40. Do 40. Right? Uh, because that's that's going to get you the maximum opportunity. 40 hours a week. Everybody clutch your chest and take a breath. Yes, I know. It sounds like a full-time job for your three-year-old, but that's what works. And that's what my son did. And that's what works. It's a lot. And it's very stressful for you. And, and I, I say, you know, good quality ABA, it's like somebody picks up your house, shakes it and puts it down on its side. Um, but if that's what it takes to help your child to do their best, aren't you willing? Um, it's hard. And I will hold your hand through it. I, I will. I'm here. I will hold your hand through it. We did it. I will never, ever be sorry. It was really, really hard, but it's the best thing that we ever did. So, so number of hours, a lot of people go through the whole process and they're like, I'm listening, Shannon, I'm doing it. And so I got 20 hours. No, for a three-year-old, no. If your insurance company or your provider is saying 20 hours, fight, fight whoever you have to. There's no study that shows for a three-year-old that 20 hours will get you where you want to go. But there are plenty, hundreds, if not thousands now studies that will show you that 40 hours gets you the maximum progress. So fight, fight, fight for the, for the 40 hours for the three-year-old. For a six-year-old, that's different. It's not 40 hours for a six-year-old, but for a three-year-old, and don't wait, don't wait. But for a, a you know, three-year-old, four-year-old, 40 hours, fight, fight, fight for it. So number one is giving them opportunity, which gives them the full prescription. Science says that's 40 hours. Number two is that you have a good quality experience BCBA. So if it's a BCBA who just graduated, make sure that they have mentorship from somebody else so that you have that good quality um, mentorship. And then the third thing, you ready for this? predictor of best outcome is if the parents or the caregivers learn what the ABA company is doing and they do it in conjunction. So now that 40 hours becomes all the time that we're doing good quality ABA all the time. So it's not a thing where you just drop your child off at the center and go, you know, fix this behavior for us and we'll pick them up at six o'clock. There are people who do that and their kids just don't make the progress. You got to learn it too. Those are the three predictors. And if you can just do those three things for a couple of years, and it's anywhere from two to, to five years for my son, it was five years. Ask me if it was worth it. And I think, you know, the answer, it was the best thing we will ever do in our lives. Hard. Woo! Were there things that we had to sacrifice in those five years? Oh my gosh, right? Um, and it brought me to my knees on more than one occasion. But then, then we were done. And he had the rest of his life and has the rest of his life. And I have conversations with him and he has hopes and dreams and he does things that amaze me and he has friends. So please, 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 please um get him good quality aba and 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 ask for 40 hours and if if you can't find an aba provider and they're not going to give you 40 hours let's let's make it happen 
every single place on the earth where there is now an ABA provider, there, there wasn't one 40 years ago. Um, there was a parent who said, nope, my child needs ABA and I can't move. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk people, you know, there, there are ways that you can train a team. We have had family members who have said, um, I, I, there's no ABA provider. We need to learn this. We'll do this. We'll pull in friends and family. We'll do this as a team of people. Um, I'm thinking of the one little girl I don't, I think they, they lived in North Dakota and this was years ago when there weren't ABA providers there and the parents were like, you know, we need something. They use skills and IBT. They trained the volunteers of their church and their little girl no longer qualifies for an autism diagnosis. And she didn't have a center that she could take her kid to. So all kinds of things are possible. Okay. So, um, I, I, I know you asked what category I would have no idea because I'm not somebody who diagnoses, but I got to tell you, like, don't get stuck on that. Um, because at three, it doesn't really matter which category he is. It matters that he gets the help. If the only way you can get the help is if he meets a certain category criteria, that would be the only thing that you need to care about that. Get him the help get him the help and get him the help now, like your house is on fire. I'm saying hello to Christina. And she said, card is giving me my son back slowly, but two years ago, he didn't interact with us at all. And now he asks us for, for things, which is just amazing. And she said, I'm grateful for our 40 hours. Uh, Ma'am, is occupational therapy and ABA the same? No, they are not the same. Um, occupational therapy is great. I'm a big fan of occupational therapy and I really recommend to everyone, there's a great uh, woman, Kara Kaczynski, they call her the Pocket OT. And if you go to her website, pocketot.com, she's got lots of great resources. I, I love one of her books and it's got little activities you can do with your kids that are really helpful, right? Love, love, love some good OT, but there is not a single study that shows that a kid went from not speaking to speaking from just OT. That just uh, never happened, right? So OT is something you would use in combination with ABA. ABA is gonna give your child all the skills that they were lacking and OT will be a complimentary thing that you'll do for a couple of hours, but the ABA is the, the thing that you wanna prioritize. Bonnie is here now and we have only seven minutes. Uh, Ms. Bonnie, are you there? Hey. Hey, uh, guess what? What? I screwed up the time. That's okay. That's okay. We have seven minutes. Do you want to speak for seven minutes or do you want to wait? Uh, um, well, here's, here's what I have to tell you. Yeah. Um, they are working in the hotel and they have jackhammers going. Oh. <laughs> so the answer is I don't want to wait and I feel really stupid that I spaced out the time but maybe we should just figure out another time. What I did want to tell you yes. is not a lot of information has come out yet about why DeVos is doing what she's doing. Yes. So I would be highly speculating, but I, I do think it is interesting that I agree with her about her critique of distance learning. And yet yeah. I totally suspect that she's ignoring the health implications of all of this. So, I mean, we could check in for five minutes if you want, or tell me what else is possible. Well, I think, later I think it's interesting to check in for five minutes. I was telling people before that you are a special education attorney from the Toner Law Offices, and um, we would always give the disclaimer that you are giving information of a general nature, not, you know, people should see, uh, seek out a lawyer if they need legal help, right? Look at you in your hotel. Um, very fun. Uh, where would they find Tolner Law Offices? They would Google it on the web under Tolner Law because I'm so bad no, and I you're... never remember the address. That's um, okay. So look up Toner Law Offices. That's if you're in California and they do both Northern and Southern California. So Toner Law Offices. But I had talked to Bonnie about being on today and, and we were gonna talk about something else. And then of course, a whole bunch of things happened yesterday with education and uh, Betsy DeVos had made a statement. And that's what Bonnie was referring to that we don't have enough information yet. But I appreciate that you said that you don't disagree with her about her 
um, critique of uh, distance learning this last spring because I I don't disagree with her either. I think that it was, um, I think it was the best that it could be with absolutely no notice. But I've been waving the flag since you know late May that if that's what they think they're offering in the fall, we're in trouble. Uh, but I'm concerned about flipping to the full other side and saying, oh, we'll just go back to school. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess because I haven't really read any analysis that helps me do anything other than just speculate as to what her reasons might be. Yeah. But taking the temperature of where we are now. Yeah. There's an attorney in our office named Sarah Fairchild, so I want to give her credit because this is her idea. She's writing letters on behalf of each of her clients to demand compensatory services now for what people didn't get during school closure. Yeah. And you know, that's where a lawyer, a special ed lawyer's uh, thinking is, is that the three months of school closure represented a huge loss to the student who already is fighting an uphill battle in school because of the difficulty when you have a disability of actually getting a FAPE. So, you know, it's not like we had a great situation to start with and it just got incredibly worse. So, I mean, I would be saying to your listeners, some of whom, by the way, have reached out to me during COVID and it's been really, really a nice opportunity for me to get to interact with some of you in a more one-to-one -one way. Yeah. But um, I would say for, for those of you that aren't in the small minority of people that say my child has done better and my child's happier because his social anxiety is not being, you know, tested. But let I'd say the majority of kids, this has been a loss. So that, there is a very real question about how to keep people safe and how to keep them educated. Um, but I, I, I don't think that there's going to be a one size fits all solution because every kid has different needs and every school district is different. And every parent, you know, couple is different in terms of their own health concerns. So I don't, I don't know the way, we, you know, I don't know that we're going to be able to do this as a one size. Um, no, it's all. So what I would propose that we do, um, and we can use the show as one place to explore this, is to figure out what individual solutions work for the individual person because it's going to be different with everybody. You know, I mean. I will just say in passing, and it's not really topical, that the longer I do this, the more types of autism I'm seeing. Yeah. So I don't feel like it's fair to say, well, all autistic kids need X now because they don't all need X now. Some need some things and some need very different things. So, you know, I really think we have to do very individualized planning for the fall. And I, I can tell people, I think, you know, I've sort of ventured out of my house for the first time. Um, in four months. And I think the, the way we remember that we used to do things is the way we think they're gonna be in the future, but it's not the way it was. It's scary to go into a little market and see that people aren't following the social distancing rules. And it's gonna be very distracting to have your kid at school and you know you don't have your eyes on him. I can tell, I can tell people who are listening to this that, um, if you believe this is a dangerous infection, people are not following the rules. So, yeah. you know, you're, you're releasing your child who's not an adult into an environment that you won't have control over. And, but I also understand, I mean, we're getting a lot of information now about how um, the article I read was about mothers, but it's really about both parents. The, if, the impact of this on people who are supposed to work full time and run a school in their house. So I, I can't, I, all I can help with is individual solutions and the law. I can't figure out what to do, you know, collectively because the disease is still too new and we don't know enough about it. We don't know how children spread it. You know, I mean, there are a yeah. lot of issues. And I mean, what I wanted to come on the show and talk about, um, and I'm gonna talk about over the summer, is specific things that we can offer you that will help you get ready for fall, no matter what you're gonna do. But the other, the other thing I wanna talk about, I don't think we have time now, my fault, no. I lost track of the time. I wanna talk to you guys about kids that are, that, that are the subject of a DCFS investigation. 
And what oh, happens to a family when somebody reports the family to the Department of Children and Family Services? Because school districts do this and they mm -hmm. do it in a retaliatory way sometimes. Yeah. And I want you all to just know a little bit about it because it may be something that you see happening to you or somebody you love and you can nip it in the bud. It's very, very dangerous to have the state come into your home and start an investigation for abuse you know, or neglect. There are a lot of um, assumptions that people have that may be child protective, but sometimes they're wrong. So anyway, that was something else I wanted to talk about. Well, I, I will look forward to talking about that. Now, Bonnie, you I may remember that we're off next week. We're showing uh, reruns next week as Kevin ah, and I are taking some okay. time off. Good. So we will see you back in two weeks. How's that? Sounds good. On a Monday, right? On a Monday, uh, I'll, I'll send you a reminder. My email is is dead at the moment, but as soon as it's working again, I will send you a reminder. But I hope you have a wonderful trip and that you have a good time, and we'll see you in two weeks. Sounds good. Nice to see your face. Bye, you everyone. Too. Stay healthy. Bye -bye. Bye-bye. So guys, we're out of time, but I appreciate, you know, everything it's, it, we started the show by saying, you know, you plan to do one thing and then something else happens. You know, we plan to do a longer show with Bonnie and something else happened, but I appreciated the chat that we had. We decided, Hey, we can't talk about this. So we're going to talk about something else. And Bonnie came and joined us at the end. And I believe it all happens the way it's supposed to. So I'm leaving you with that thought. We're back tomorrow to talk about those uh, distance learning summer programs. Um, and we've got some wonderful ones for you. And some of them are free, not all of them. In fact, very few of them are free, but there are a couple. So, uh, and Cindy Kenya will be here and we will also have Leah Hirschfeld telling us about some new research that you guys should know about. I'm sending you hugs. Try to do something today that's leisure, that you can involve you and your family in that will help to lower the stress. We'll all get there together. Si se puede, right? I'll be back tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.